College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 46 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney, hashtag Go Green Machine. I am joined by uh, the 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 generous Aaron J. Fit, the, the extreme sport enthusiast Aaron J. Fit. I'm also joined by the governor of East Texas, Kendall J. Rogers. Fitzy, we Kendall, I'm gonna speak for Kendall and I. We are excited to see you alive. We you know you had this <laughs> big trip. You were like scaling the Grand Canyon. I don't know what you were doing, but please tell us about your trip. How was it? Gener- where would you get generous, first of all? Am I, am I generous? <laughs> yeah, I generous with your goodwill. Oh, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I just had a nice little, uh, nice pack rafting trip down the mighty Colorado River through the, the desert of, uh, of Utah, Colorado, and it was, uh, it was fantastic. You know, did some good rapids, just, uh, uh, just a couple of us out there and, uh, you know, off the grid for a while. So Martha, if I missed any Mar- big Martha scoops, I apologize. Uh, you did, you did not miss really any Martha scoops. Uh, I will say I'm, I'm proud of you. So if you guys remember uh, last time we had Aaron on the podcast, we talked about this, this whitewater rafting deal and he kind of seemed a little, little timid, almost a little scared. I got to admit, I was watching the videos that he had on Facebook and like he legitimately seems like excited and like yeah. not scared. So I'm proud of you because well, I would no. be scared, by the way. You would be because I would definitely scared would be to scared the point of not making the yeah. trip. Actually, we're not you, doing that. I would definitely you guys, be clicking on anything possible. You guys are lacking in, in fortitude, I think. You just you, Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you just got to get put yourself out there, Raj. Fitzy, a two part question. A, do you wear a helmet in such yes. an adventure? And B, did you wear a Patriots helmet? Did not get a Patriots helmet. I did, did wear a helmet during the Rapids, for sure. Um, do you, do you wear a live vest? Oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. <laughs> so my wife was asking, like, do you – so, like, do you have a whole contraption – you know, obviously helmet, but, like, do you actually wear, like, a live vest? Or does that actually, yeah. like, hinder you a little bit? No, you, you definitely do. It's – it's uh, you know, just for, for the Rapids section. You don't need to wear it all the time. But uh, the Rapids are, are the real deal. Oh, that's outstanding. Well, it's good to see you in, in one piece, Fitzy. Yeah, no scratches. Um, I mean, yes. I really, I kind of was like at least hoping we'd see like a bruise. Black like eye. Cheek yeah. or something. I don't know. Something. <laughs> Stitches. Rattlesnake, Do better next time, Fitzy. I'll work on that. Injure yourself, for God's <laughs> sakes. Uh, speaking of not injuring ourselves, people. Uh, this podcast is brought to us by our friends at S2 Cognition, the future of sports has arrived. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth level to the pro level. So, uh, gentlemen, the agenda for today, I thought we would talk about the, uh, the, the new legislation, if you will, around the transfer portal. Kendall, I'll have you update us on that. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the fall stuff. It's really cool on the website right now. Um, we're, Kendall is updating the fall exhibition schedule and man, coaches are getting after it. There's some really cool stuff on there. So we'll, and, and we all know that Fitzy's fall tour is, is, you know, like that's an event in college baseball. So we're, we're getting a little, it's like Fitzy's getting to preview the menu. And then I want to talk about our assistant coach draft a little bit because that has been a blast. Um, I had an, a, a coach text me this morning. Um, I picked Marty Sutherland from Iowa one, one. And I, I will not name this coach, but it says, um, hash or uh, quotes, 
absolutely electric first pick in your Midwest ass assistant coach draft. So thank you for that. Love the word electric. Um, Kendall, why don't you update us on the uh, the rule, who made it? Uh, yeah, you wrote a really good piece on the website about this. Yeah, just a quick piece. Uh, you know, really, it's not huge news for college baseball. I mean, so the transfer windows before, obviously, people know that you could transfer anytime you wanted during the year, and then the next year you could play. Uh, and the deadline was July 1. Well, that, ironically enough, is the same day that, you know, scholarships were renewed across the country. Uh, the NCA, you know, the, the the kind of the rumor from the oversight panel was that they were going to make it 60 days from the end or the or 60 days from postseason selection Monday. Well, the NCA board of directors came out yesterday, approved it, but changed that 60 days to 45 days. So it really doesn't change a lot for college baseball because now the date for next year at least goes from July 1 to July 13th that you have to have it in writing that you want to enter the portal. So it's not one of those things where like you have to be in the, like the portal has to show your name on, on July 13th or you can't transfer. It's more so like you just have to submit something to your school by July 13th that, you that your intentions are to leave that program. So, you know, I talked to a couple of coaches. They didn't feel like it really changed a lot. I mean, you might have a little bit more clarity on some high school recruits because the biggest thing right now is coaches are like, hey, it's July 1. Like, you know, the, the draft is past year is the 17th to the 19th. July 1, like, I don't even – like, I don't even really have a, a, a clear idea of, like, where my some of my players and where some of my high school signees are going to actually get drafted. Now, on the 13th, I'm assuming the draft is going to be held around the same time. If it's on the 13th, then you have a little bit more clarity, but you're still stuck in the position of you may show up on draft day and four of your signees that you thought were going to sign – all of a sudden get drafted or, or, you know, in a spot that they're not going to sign or they don't get drafted at all on the first day. And now you're kind of back to that same roster management backlog sticking point where you've seen some programs around the country. And I won't name names because I don't want to call them out, but like some programs around the country that have had to make some cuts late in the summer. So this really doesn't solve anything from baseball issue. The only thing that's interesting to me uh, is the fact that the NCA really kind of moving forward wants kids to, uh, think about trans like think about why they're transferring and, and when they're transferring for what I mean by that. So from now on, uh, you have to transfer, you have to put your name in the portal by July 13th. Well, if you don't do that, like let's say you show up to Arizona state in the fall and the first two weeks you're like, Oh, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm never going to compete with these guys or whatever. And you want to go into the portal. Like you can't do that until mid-December now. So you can't do that until December 1 through the 15th. So I like that, guys, because that gives these kids that go through the fall and I it, like it, the the possibility of like kind of taking a step back, taking a deep breath, kind of, you know, going that holiday break and kind of re-examine their position. Because I feel like a lot of people, I think we do it in our everyday life, that we get emotional about a decision. And maybe a couple of days later we're thinking – like, uh, maybe I wouldn't have done that. And so I actually like having that little December window. But uh, one one big clarifier, and, and this is actually a really good question a few, a few coaches asked me yesterday, was with this new December window for college baseball, does that mean you can transfer at the mid-year mark? That does not mean you can transfer at the mid-year mark. You can do that in softball. They did not add that for baseball. So that window is really just for all those players that typically leave at the end of the fall. Instead of leaving in October or like putting their name in in October, they're putting their name in on December 1st. Yeah, very interesting. Fitzy, I'm going to I'm going to pose a question to you on this. So, man, I've got a lot of thoughts. I, I will say just my, my overarching thought. I thought 
the rules committee that came out a few months ago, like I would give them an F. I just think we need to completely revamp the rules committee. I had somebody say that, why does the rules committee formulate all this stuff during the season when nobody has any time to give attention to it? Uh, and, you know, like the celebration stuff. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're, we're just, we're doubling down on this really flawed pitch clock. And I, I know their intentions are right, but there's no collaboration. Mm -hmm. It just happens mysteriously. And then we, you know, I, so I would give the rules committee an F. I think that whole process needs to be revisited. I, I think your point, Kendall, on this was this committee or whoever these people are, that's the frustration of the NCAA. It's like I'm, there's so many, you know, it's like aliens giving us our rules. We don't even know who these people are or what, what it's, you know, this board, that board, whatever. Maybe I just need to be smarter. But, um, you know, I, I would say it's a C, whatever. You know, it's like, like you said, Kendall, it doesn't affect us that much. To me, the biggest challenges are that, the draft is too late. You know, school starts on August 15th and the draft. Now, next year's draft mm -hmm. is July 10th. Um, so this helps a little bit. But I just think Selection Monday is the wrong trigger. Whatever. You know, coach, college coaches are magicians. They figure it out. I think the other issue is the NCA. We, we, we just need sport-specific legislation, yes. right? I mean, like you can't just have one rule and then duct tape it around for all the different sports. That doesn't work. And I'll, here's what I wanted to go with this, Fitzy, is like, hey, we're getting ready to sign a really big television contract. And when I say we, the NCA, that includes college baseball, college softball. You know, right now the number is about $40 million a year. It, this is going to be an, an, an extreme, you know, I, my prediction is going to be at least 4x on that number. That's just a guess. And really, we're just kind of Costcoing our rules with all these different sports. What, what, what are your general takes on this, Fitzy? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was going to say the, the same thing. It just, you know, it, it feels like everything is driven, of course, by football. And, and then to maybe a lesser degree basketball. And we're just along for the, for the ride and for better or worse. And there have been some good things that have come out of being along for the ride, obviously. Sure. Um, I mean, I do think it's good to have the ability to transfer freely. Um, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it, it, it kind of stinks also in that it creates this wild West scenario that we had 20 years ago that we all kind of hated. Um, and, and now we're stuck with that, but so be it. It's the best thing for the student athlete. Um, I don't understand why, there's a difference between softball and baseball when it comes to the mid-year transfer, Kendall. And maybe you can shed some light on that. Why is that still a difference? Like we, it feels like those two sports should be kind of operating in tandem on stuff like this. And, and um, yeah. do, you, do you think that's something that could happen? And do you think it should happen? I, I hope it doesn't happen. I mean, I, I talked to three different coaches yesterday that like under no circumstance that they want mid-year transfers. And these were, you know, two of the coaches were from the SEC or ACC, and one of them was a mid-major coach, and they all agreed, like, absolutely not. Because, yeah. man, that just really – you talk about, like, the, the summer free transfers, opening Pandora's box. I mean, man, that's that's just going to get bad. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't want that at all. I have no idea why there's a difference between softball and baseball. What's, what's really interesting about softball and baseball, though, just ironically enough, is, like, you know, baseball just put in this whole rule about no celebrating on the field and all that. Whereas like softball just repealed a rule about no celebrations on the field. So like, there's just, there, like, well, like Rune said, there's too many weird, like, I, I don't and, know. And that, and that tells you so much, by the way, about, I, I guess, the ethos of those two sports. One of them is, yeah. is trying to make the game more fun. And the other one is trying to make the game less fun. That's what it feels like to me. I, I don't like this yeah. celebration thing. I mean, and you no. know, I'm not a big showboater. I mean, look, I'm a little bit of an old school guy. You know, I'm bat flipping, whatever. You do what you want to do, have fun. 
I mean, you know, don't f- show up the other team too much. I mean, mm-hmm. I know I do think there's a, there's a certain line when it comes to good taste. Um, but I mean, like on the field celebration, coming out of the dugout to greet a guy after home run, whatever, you know, the hammer stuff, hammer gate, you know, during the, the regionals this year, that was dumb. You know, let the kids have yeah. their freaking hammer. Like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. That's a lot of that, you know, the Tennessee stuff. I mean, let them have their jacket. I mean, come on. Like, we, we got to really police all this stuff. That's so that's so stupid. It's like they, they used to say about the, the no fun league, you know, the NFL, the no fun league. Yeah. It's like we're trying yeah. to bring that to baseball, too, and I hate it. What's yeah. that old analogy? It's like the guy that loses his keys outside, and then his wife catches him looking for his lost keys in the house, and she asks him, I thought you lost him outside. Why are you looking for him inside? He's like, well, I can't see out there. So I figured I'd look in here. It's like we, we're upset about taunting. So instead of doing a rule about taunting, we just we kibosh celebrations, which is growing the sport exponentially. Or one of the things. It's just like, no, just address the core issue. Don't, don't kill something positive over here, hoping that it will indirectly fix something over here. It's so I will I will argue for the casual baseball fan that tunes in to the postseason and watches all these teams that we watch throughout the entire season. I bet you if you ask people, hey, what – like out of all the things that you remember about the postseason, like what do you what do you know about Virginia Tech? Oh, they're the team that has the hammer when they hit a home run. What do you know about Tennessee? Uh, you know, other than Drew Gilbert, like I know about their jacket and their daddy hat. Like that's the stuff that people actually remember, like casual fans, and that's what draws people in. It's like the Little League World Series. What draws people in? All the little quirky stuff that kind of goes in tandem with the Little League World Series. So uh, I, I'm with you guys. Um, one one quick thing on the transfer deal that I did like is the fact that the uh, NCAA board of directors did not decide anything on unlimited transfers. Uh, that's something I'm staunchly against because at the end of the day, yep. like the, the goal of going to college is to get a college degree. And if you have unlimited transfers, let's say a person goes to four different places, um, the chances of your credits going from school to school to school to school and actually transferring and being able to be used are very slim because like every school is totally different when it comes to what credits you can transfer in with. So they actually kind of mentioned that yesterday is like, we actually want to study graduation rates and then, and then decide whether or not we want to limit the transfers. Cause I do think that that hinders your academic prog- progress. And I think the cat agrees in the background. Yeah. Fitzy's going to put his cat in the transfer portal here in a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you guys a couple, a couple thoughts on what's the, what's yeah. the cat's name, Fitzy? I just said she's relentless today. Oh, she, she's she, past she, really, she really wants to be on the show. <laughs> I like it. Hey, so the two thoughts I have, I, I'm with you 100%, Kendall. You guys know in my day job that, you know, I'm part of the hiring process. Yeah. And I'm telling you, when you see a person in their professional life who's had, you know, five jobs in seven years – that is a strike against that person. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- these, you know, and I, I agree with what you said earlier, Kendall, like sometimes this is emotional stuff. What I, what I would like to see is kind of what we have right now, which is, Hey, your first transfer is free. I think that makes perfect sense. Sometimes you make a decision and then, um, you know, you, you, it wasn't the right one. So your next one, you should be eligible right away. I think, you know, and then I love the grand grad transfer. So you basically get two free transfers, right? The first one is a mulligan. The second one is once you're a college graduate, you could grad transfer. I think that's really fair. It makes academic sense. You know, some people want to start graduate programs. I think if you're transferring a fourth, you know, a third time in between there, the best thing for you would be actually to take competition off the table. 
just get settled somewhere and 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 don't transfer mm-hmm. for playing time that type of thing i you know you mentioned the mid transfers fitzy and you know this is anecdotal but i'll give you two experiences i i'm i'm dead set against it for because i i so in 2002 we brought in ian kinsler at the break i mean this is a you know guy who made a hundred million dollars in the big leagues and he he was at central arizona in the fall we brought him in the spring and we immediately put him at shortstop like he shows up for january practice we're playing three weeks later and he's our shortstop he got off to a really really rough start he was kicking you could see the pressure he's putting on himself and and you know like when we just shoved him at shortstop guess what we did we took somebody else and put him in the dugout and it just really it, it it was hard on our team. It was really hard on Ian. And you know he transferred out after that. And then we had a kid Andy Torres in 2001 that came at the break. And you know he, did, he pitched really well, but he didn't have a good experience. You know after our games on Sundays, he was driving back to LA to be with his friends. It was just it was not a good college experience. So I um I I, I just I again I think that is you know, we're kind of uh, policing ourselves there. I just well, I, not had a good experience with that. I, I agree with you. I think the other thing too is, is, you know, if you're going to work your ass off the entire fall for a starting job, like why, why should somebody just be able to come at the mid-year mark and just boot you out of that position? Like you earn that position. And my other thing too is, is I think the fall can be deceiving. I mean, there, there are a lot of kids in the fall who, you know, you guys, it's a laundry list of names who either they're really good in the fall and this coach is like, oh, man, he's going to have an All-American top of year or, man, this guy was was terrible. Uh, and all of a sudden they hit 350 during the spring. So, like, to me, making snap judgments post-fall and then potentially going out and grabbing new players, to me, I think is a little misguided because the fall, t- you know, I wouldn't say typically, but the fall sometimes can tell a totally different story than the spring. The, the only thing that, uh, you know, that I wonder about is is – the over recruiting thing. I mean, you got some, yeah. some sizable fall rosters out there. And is that fair to the kids that if, if they can't transfer at the mid year mark, if they get cut, um, you know, that's, and I, I don't, I'm not necessarily arguing in favor of the mid year transfer. Cause you're right. Yeah. You guys made some good points against it, but that's the scenario. Now we've, we've got some of these big rosters again, uh, largely because yeah. of the transfer portal and the late draft and just the way everything is gone. And, and not all those guys are going to make their teams. Yeah. Well, I, I would say a great point this- actually. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. two parts that because I yeah we're we're all in agreement that we hate to see these kids because the truth is right now the kids that are cut after the fall are basically forced to junior college and the scenario we're talking about just gets shoved down to the junior college level. Um, you know, at, at some point people get cut. I, I I would say there's two things. You guys know I'm pretty passionate about some type of fall roster limit to help with this. You know, maybe it's 45. Uh, I think that fall rosters should be it should be mandatory to publish them or people can't practice so that families really know what they're getting themselves into. That said, you know, college baseball is such a small community. If you're a family and your son shows up somewhere and he's one of 62 people on the roster, I, I, I mean, it's like. I don't know that you could claim naivete to that, right? Like the, the team, the, the rosters that collect big fall or the, the programs that do big fall rosters. And I'm not here to judge that, that it's not a mystery, right? It's not, yeah. that's not hard knowledge to get your hands on. Sometimes I think people don't want to know if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah it it kind of reminds me of what my dad used to tell me when I was a kid is like, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, <laughs> you know, and like on the recruiting trail. And I, and I would have had this advice for parents. If you're getting a recruiting pitch that's like, 
well, hell, like I've got to take this, man. This sounds incredible. Well, it's probably too good to be true. Let, let's be real honest. And so that, yeah. that's kind of my advice for parents in the recruiting trail. I always love when Kendall breaks out like one of the all-time most cliched cliches and attributes it to some you rare like piece of wisdom from his I pappy. Love it. I love <laughs> it. Oh, so good. Yeah. So I, you know, I think this whole thing is a, it's a, you know, the, the stuff that came out. I would encourage everyone to read what Kendall put up there because Kendall does such an awesome job of. I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are like me, where you just see these tweets and you read this stuff and you just start to glaze over and Kendall, you did a really good job kind of cleaning this up for us and kind of, you know, kind of just making it a little easier to digest. That said, people, let me share this with you. We have some incredible stuff on the website right now, and we want to encourage everyone to get a subscription to D1 Baseball. There's never a bad time to do it. I have a promotion for you. It's 20% off. All you do is put in Summer 22. So the Summer 22 promotion still is live. That'll get you 20% off. And again, there's so much great stuff on the website. We encourage everyone listening to get get yourselves a subscription and um and we got 20% off for you. Go ahead, Fitzy. And hey, maybe, you know, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. Uh, you if, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, uh, help us grow the grow the product, grow the channel. And if you're listening, uh, you know, on, on iTunes or whatever, hey, give us a review. Uh, we'd, yeah. we'd, love, we'd love your review, your take on our, our, uh, our podcast. So we appreciate everyone's support. Yes, that's right. That's right. Well said. Um, boys, let's go to this fall stuff. So I figured what, what I want to get to the assistance in a second, but as the fall exhibitions are getting put up there, what are, and I'll, I'll start with you, Fitzy, since you are the czar of fall baseball, yeah. what, uh, what are some exhibitions that have caught your eye already? Yeah, there's some good ones out there. Um, you know, even uh, the, I think the first weekend these things really get going is mid-September, kind of that, that uh, 16th to 18th weekend in September. Um, you know, and there's, there's like, typically you've got some, some schools like Marshall and West Virginia, they always play, they're playing right off out of the gate there. Um, I'm going to probably start my fall travels, I think in Charlotte that weekend, they're playing Florence Darlington, but then you get into October. That's when really the meat of it starts. Right. Um, you know, I, I would think Wake Forest at Tennessee could be interesting. Um, you know, you've got uh, Mississippi State has uh, Alabama on October 21st, and then Alabama plays at Auburn on the 28th. Two really fun matchups there. Uh, that one weekend of the 21st could be good here in, in my area. You've got Virginia Tech is at Liberty on the 21st, and then the next day you got Maryland at Virginia. Um, so that be a, could be a good double up for, for somebody like me or maybe Shotgun if he wants it. So, uh, yeah, there's, you know, and then you, you kind of you work more into the fall and you've got more stuff out west. You've got stuff in Kendall's area in Texas that I'll let him touch on. Um, you've got your, your Georgia, Florida game again in Jacksonville. Um, you know, you've got, uh, I think Clemson, uh, they've, they're playing UNC Wilmington and East Carolina. So, you know, certainly in, in my part of the country over here, there's, there's a lot of these, these really good matchups and then, um, and a bunch down in the kind of the deep South and, and out, uh, out West ruins, you got some good ones too. Yeah. Kendall, what are ones that are top of mind for you? I think the one for me on, on the East coast, the two for me on the East coast are Tennessee and Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest is one of those teams that could very easily be a top 10 type of club. So that's a good kind of litmus test for them in the fall, just kind of see how they stack up against the balls. Uh, the other one for me, I, I'm really intrigued to see Clemson in, in East Carolina, or at least Reed Aaron's report on that one. Uh, you know, it, it kind of look late in the fall, you know, October 23rd would be pretty late for Clemson. That'll kind of give you an idea of, of what kind of team Clemson will have with Backage's kind of fingerprints on that club a little bit. And so to see how they stack up against a, 
consistent power like East Carolina is interesting to me. Uh, I'll look out west to, to Las Vegas, uh, to Arizona State and Vanderbilt. Awesome. You know, obviously Vanderbilt's going to be good. I'll tell you what, you know, when you look at what Willie Bloomquist and the staff have at Arizona State, you know, all of a sudden with some of these additions like Ross Dunn and, you know, Aaron, help me out if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but Luke Kieschel, uh, from uh, San Francisco, you know, getting guys like that, guys, I think he hit 326 of the Cape over the summer. Like Arizona State guys, like all of a sudden, like if all those transfers clicked, they've got kind of an intriguing roster. So that one to me really stands out uh, as well. I'll, I'll add a couple, you guys. That, and by the way, Kendall, when you or maybe Fitzy, you said it, both of you said it, like we, 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 Clemson comes up, right? And this incredible new staff that Eric Backage has put together. And we're all super excited about, you know, Monty League joining Mark Kingston in South Carolina. Wouldn't it be awesome if these two programs start to surge at the same time? I mean, I think it would be very South Carolina Clemson, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, that would be so good for the sport if these two just kind of rise up together. Um, you know, Kendall, you mentioned Vandy and Arizona State, which is, you know, I, I think that's going to be super fun. But it, it also ties into Florida and Georgia. I think these coaches that are yeah. taking these fall games and turning them into kind of recruiting bonanzas. I mean, if you're a recruit that's considering these these programs, like you're, you're, you know, at least ASU recruits Vegas. Vegas, a good baseball town. Certainly Florida and Georgia, it's around a football game. I mean, I think it's just another thing to get people excited about your yeah. program. Um, hey, like, like you said, Kendall, ASU with the transfer portal, people are excited about Arizona State baseball out here. Yeah, you know, the other two for me, and I, they actually uh, both include Auburn. You know, Auburn hosts Louisiana Tech and Alabama for the fall. So that, to me, both of those matchups are ultra intriguing. Yeah, yeah, I imagine, you know, I'm not sure if that's tied to a football game or what, um, but I imagine yeah. regardless, Auburn, Alabama, we should have a nice atmosphere. I've been to that Georgia-Florida thing in Jacksonville a couple of times now, uh, and that's always a really fun crowd there, big crowd. You know, they got fireworks afterwards and the whole deal. They got concerts outside. It's all, like you said, around the football game. So um, that's a fun event. And I think that's a good point that you make, Rune. It's about kind of the event factor. Um, and, and there's some some more good ones, by the way, out west, you know, at the very end of the fall in November. I mean, UC Irvine at San Diego comes to mind. I mean, at, at uh, yeah, it's at San Diego and UCLA. I think they're playing at both those places. So, um, you know, there's some there's some stuff out that way, too, that's pretty interesting. I like the I like the local matchups too. Like, hey, a couple of the D one schools in Texas are playing McLennan Junior College, which is brilliant mm -hmm. because McLennan is loaded. Um, but I love that you know last year I got to watch Arizona State play Central Arizona. But some of the local ones, you know, Georgetown at Rutgers is really fascinating. Like, talk about two ascending programs, Nebraska at Omaha. Omaha's got this new field, which is really yeah. gorgeous. Uh, Grand Canyon is going to play Arizona State. LSU is going to play at Louisiana Lafayette, which is really cool. Uh, yeah. So anyway, just count me in on fall baseball. Well, the awesome. one thing we got to do is we got to get our Walter Villa to write a story on all these Canadian teams that are popping up in the fall circuit. Like you know, you have like the Ontario Royals, is like the Ontario like Cardinals. You know, there's the Ontario Blue Jays. There's like some other random Canadian team that's playing UConn. Like hmm. I'd be curious to see like how they actually put together these teams. I love that. Hey, wasn't that big draft pick from Wright State the other uh, a year or two ago? Taylor Black. No, Tyler. Uh, Tyler Black. Tyler Black. He was Tyler. a Canadian kid. If I'm yeah. left-handed hitting second baseman, yeah. right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta love it. So, all right, boys. Let's wrap with this. Let's 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 talk. This these assistant coach drafts have been a blast. And you know, it's it. it Kendall, you handled it on Twitter beautifully. But here's the risk. 
when we start ranking assistant coaches like this, you know, we could rank 10,000 of them and we're still going to miss on a bunch of studs. Like there's so many, sure. the coaching talent in college baseball has increased so dramatically over the last 30 years in a very positive way. Hey, these jobs are more, um, you know, they're, they're just they're, the financial um, rewards for them are much greater. We're attracting much more talent. I mean, for God's sakes, we have an MLB pitching coach that came back to college baseball this offseason. We've talked about Wes Johnson. Um, so but this was really fun. And now we're breaking into regions. We're drafting them. So what I thought we could do is is, is we look at our draft picks. And again, I did have the the electric one one pick Marty Sutherland um, hashtag gingers unite um, out of uh, for the Midwest. But but Kendall, let me start with you. What are some some maybe some things you learned or some observations around the guys that you drafted? Some things that jumped out at you. Uh, are we starting with the West Coast? You do. You go wherever you want. Yeah, just give us a couple guys. I think the I think the guy for me that was really interesting was Robin Lund uh, at Iowa. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about you know Marty Sutherland being the top overall pick of our Midwest draft, but man, if you look at Robin Lund's uh, track record at Iowa over the last few seasons, it's really good. Like he's he's developed premier arms. I can't remember what was the guy's name. Uh, was it James Allen? A couple of years. I can't remember the kid's name. The ace from from like two or three years ago. But, I mean, they've had a good staff every year. They finished in the top ten in ERA uh, as a team this past year. Uh, he's done a terrific job. You know, I think if you look around the country, I, you know, I was talking to some different coaches in the Big 12. You know, they mentioned, you know, Austin Waits is a guy that, you know, out of all the guys kind of in that Nebraska, Kansas area, like they feel like he is like the most ready to be a head coach. Like he's got very good cachet in that area. So those are two guys that stand out to me. And I, you know, I just think in general, you look at Jake Valentine in the Northwest. I think the the other guy for me is Andy Jenkins, you know, getting him in that sixth round in the West draft. You know, he's a guy like USC for Andy Stakewitz and Travis Jewett to get a guy that has been in Omaha as a player has been on a, on a, on a staff, on a national championship staff at Oregon state has learned under Pat Casey that is a really good asset to have for a program like USC that has to relearn how to become a championship program. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good call. And and I like some of these, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, Andy Jenkins, I think he's, I think he's still clinging to his late thirties. Uh, we, we got a couple of these, these under 40 guys that I think are pretty interesting. Um, you know, I would put, I think Ben Greenspan also still in his thirties. I think he'd be in that category uh, at Michigan. I mean, you, you guys know how I feel about, about Ben, but I mean, you know, he did a good job recruiting into Arizona state. Say what you want about the way yeah. things went down there. He assembled a, yeah. a, some very talented rosters, you know, and then COVID wiped out an Omaha team that could have won it all. In my opinion, I thought they were the most talented roster in the country that year. Um, but anyway, I mean, in, in, in Indiana, I mean, you know, he helped build those, they're great teams. So, I mean, I, I think that guy's a stud. I think we all do. Um, I think Will Coggin at Kentucky, another guy under, under 40, mm-hmm. um, who, who, you know, I think could be a rising star. I mean, I mentioned Adam Vrabel. I, we didn't have him in our draft, but uh, he's a guy at Louisville that I'm really intrigued by. I mean, it, that one, the Louisville staff is so fascinating to me because you've got mm-hmm. two veterans, right, like who are among the very elites in the game. I mean, you've got Eric Snyder, you've got Roger Williams. They're established. You know, these guys are um, – you wonder, like, I mean, are they – at this point, are they ever going to be head coaches? Are they, are they lifelong assistants? I mean, they're in mm-hmm. such a great mm-hmm. spot. They're so well taken care of and valued, and it's like it would have to be a pretty perfect opportunity. And at this point, we're starting to get later into their careers. I mean, is Vrabel the guy who actually becomes a head coach bef- 
before either of them. Um, I don't know, but I mean that that you know I feel like that stuff had to be talked about, and I I kind of mentioned it in some detail in, in our in our write ups yeah. because it's like you know th- those are guys are like the best of the best in college baseball for, as far as I'm concerned. That's the best staff in the country. But it's like you know if you're an AD now, I mean, are, are you? Are you looking for that young hot shot, or are you, you going to try to take the the older established guy who might be harder to lure? I, I don't know. It's a it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, or if you're Bill Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Kendall. No, 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 you go. Yeah, that's where Bill Mosiello becomes a really fascinating, mm. te- you know, test case mm. for this. And again, like I think we talked about it last time. Like Mo's off to a great start because, you know, like. The, to me, that that coaching staff hire is so critical, could make or break you. And um, not only did Mo nail it, but then he lost Greg Wallace almost immediately and fills in with Sean Allen. It's like, goodness, you know, it's like not only did Mo pass the test, but he passed it twice. But I think it's a good point, Fitzy. Like, I wonder if that becomes a new trend. Um, you know, think about Kevin McMullen, very similar that, you know, yes. I, I don't want to speak for Mac, but maybe he didn't want to leave Virginia because he loves his job. He loves the situation. He's raising a family, but then, Hey, families grow up, right? Like kids go to college and then maybe coaches look at jobs differently. Um, I, the other thing I loved about this exercise is that I loved researching these guys. Like for instance, Nate Metzger at Wright state, I knew he's a great base running guy, but what I didn't know is that he's an entrepreneur. You know, he started a a hitting facility that has thrived Mm. He um, became the athletic director and first baseball coach at Heartland Community College. And I think of Heartland Community College as like a legit program that's been around. He started the baseball program there. So, hey, there's a guy with scouting experience, business experience, administrative experience. If I'm an AD, I'm, I'm attracted to those things. And, you know, we know how good Wright State's been. Noah Jackson at Cal, mm-hmm. you know, worked at FedEx. So like I, I, you know, nothing against people that have only ever coached. That was me for a long time. But if I'm an AD, I'm I'm liking people that have had a real job in their life. I think that provides a really neat perspective. Um, you know, and Noah obviously, is to, you know, hey, look at Corey Lee and Andrew Vaughn and, and Dylan Beavers at Cal. Like this dude's got an eye for finding and developing, you know, elite. You know, those are first round picks and Cal's not getting to just select people in recruiting like they gotta they gotta really um beat the bushes uh mike brown at utah it really pumped me up to dig into his resume this is a california guy with sec roots um i you know what i'm disappointed about guys is utah got off to a great start last year and then lost their last 11 pac-12 games Mm. so if, if i'm doing the math right um utah was 10 and 10 and nine and whatever the math is. Yeah. They were 10 and nine in the pack 12, which is like, you're right there. And then they lost 11 straight. They just fell apart at the very end. And so they, they, you know, Utah had a really good season. And then, you know, again, Mike Brown, it's easy to forget. It shouldn't be, but he's on that 2018 Mississippi state staff that like just, you know, took scorched earth and went to Omaha, right? Like, I wrote a piece about that a long time ago. Like, I'm so glad I did just to journal it. But that was one of the great coaching jobs in college baseball in the last 20 years. And then Matt Fontino is another guy I want to mention to you guys is that, you know, you know, Matt is no longer at SC because the staff changed there. And he had gone from St. Mary's to Santa Barbara to USC. And now he's back at Cal Poly. And so, again, like you get caught up in the swirl of the resume. But man, what what Eric Valenzuela and Matt Fontino did at St. Mary's is pretty epic. 
I mean, St. Mary's was a non-factor in the WCC, and they went to the top of the league. So, yeah, I I have loved digging into these guys' resumes. Yeah, the other thing for me that kind of stood out, at least like as I look back at my looking back at some of my picks and just my research, is like how often I was I was like drawn to Fullerton guys, like whether it was you know Neil Walton or you know Jake Silverman. The thing I love, like if I'm an athletic director, like I want guys to have coached under really really good coaches more so than just the red hot candidate. For instance, if you look at Silverman, he coached under you know T.J. Bruce coached under John Savage, coached under Dave Serrano, coached under Larry Lee. Like, if that's your quartet of coaches that you coached under, like, I like your chances a lot of being successful as a head coach someday. Brian Ward, for me, is really interesting. Obviously, he's a red-hot assistant on the West Coast, so it's not like I'm going on a limb here. But the thing I like about Bryant is he's been a lot of different places. Like, he, like he's the type of guy that if you're a non-Western AD, like, you can hire him, and you're not going like, why are they hiring that guy? I mean, he coached at – uh, was at Pitt Junior College in North Carolina. He was at the University of South Florida. He played at East Carolina. He was at Cal State Fullerton. And he was at UCLA. Like he's been at all these different places. So I thought his kind of the 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 diverse amount of places on his resume was really interesting. And and frankly, like I didn't even know he coached at a junior college at North Carolina at one point. That's good. I, I also I like uh, I'm gonna throw one name out here. Sure. Uh, and and I picked Runes's pocket in our draft because I knew Runes liked it. Snipeage. Jack Martyr, another guy, by the way, I guess you could put him in, in, in that Fullerton tree sort of since he played for George Horton. Ooh, and co- great and call. Yeah. George Horton. Uh, but, I mean, I remember when he was a player and Coach Horton saying, this guy, he's going to be head coach someday. Like, it's some, he's just one of those guys who was automatic. And, and you can see his rise. It's, uh, that's a guy I'm definitely – I'm putting all my chips on. I think he's going to be a really, uh, really good, good head coach someday. Fitzy, I want you to know you have now sniped me on Jack Martyr twice because you sniped <laughs> me in the draft, and I was literally just getting ready to talk about him. But I'll tell you, I'll, I'll fill that in, Fitzy. Like, like you said, you know, I love that he played for George Horton, right? Like George Horton takes you back to Wally Kincaid and Dave Snow and Augie Garrido and that tradition of Fullerton. But then Jack Martyr's not stuck there, right? Like he's, um, it stuck's the wrong word, but whatever. You know, then he goes with Mark Wasikowski to Purdue. Then he goes with Mark Wasikowski to Oregon. And so this guy has he he's he's got that Fullerton pedigree, but he has seen what an elite modern recruiting operation looks like under Mark Wasikowski. And and I I don't this is my final thought on this because it's been so fun and we got three more regions to go. But Mark Wasikowski and Tony Vitello are very similar young head coaches to me where these guys were elite recruiters and they've immediately upgraded the recruiting where they are. But I'll tell you the other thing that they did, which might even be more important is, man, I think they crushed their coaching staff hires. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if the fact that both of them have so much background on the recruiting trail, I just think like if you're a head coach who's been on the recruiting trail a ton and recently you know who the guys are, right? Like you get to see who the workers are with your own eyeballs. So it, I hadn't put two and two together there before, but it does not surprise me that Mark Wasikowski and Tony V have been so good at hiring coaches because they're so prominent on the recruiting trail. Really, yeah. And even Jake, even Jake Angier at, at Oregon. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he, he they didn't have a great year on the mound this past year, but I mean, two years ago they were one of the top ten teams in the country in ERA. So like mm-hmm. he obviously has a track record of success there as well. Yep. Gotta love it. So, um, oh gosh. And I'm going to, I'm going to out my man. It was Mike Clement that texted me. He was Marty Sutherland's Juco, uh, roommate. 
Uh, they played junior college baseball yeah. together, and so he's the one that wrote Electric first pick. It was so great. Oh, wow. Gosh, dang that's, it. I that's love awesome. the word Electric. That's yes. I love Clem, one of our great, yes. great, great all-time podcast guests. That's we right. might we might have to fight over uh, where we get Clem in our draft. That's um, right. We got to fight over what region we're putting Mississippi in. We got some. We, we might just have to. We might just have to do an SEC and an ACC. It's just it might be the cleanest way to separate it. But we'll, we'll talk about that off air. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to do that. So very good. Hey, thanks to our buddies at uh, S2 Cognition for their help with the uh, with the podcast. Really appreciate their sponsorship. Um, and again, we encourage everyone. So much great stuff on the website right now. The fall exhibitions, the summer write ups. If you're like me and you're trying to catch up on what happened in summer baseball, uh, all the Cape Cod reports are are up or on their way up right now. And just type in summer 22 to get that 20 percent off on that promotion that is still in existence. So, uh, gentlemen, it was a pleasure to see your faces and, uh, we will catch everyone next week. Have a good one.